And welcome to the socialworldpodcast.com. Your host is Dave Niven. Today's show is sponsored by David Niven Associates. Hello again. Welcome to the Social World Podcast. I'm Dave Niven and this is Podcast 31 and it's good to have you along again. Now today, I mean, you can download this from iTunes. You can get it on the website socialworldpodcast.com and the Twitter handle is at Dave Niven. You know, it's really good that so many people are actually feeding back to me and listening to this now. And one particular group of people, students, actually, who are actually qualifying this year, a lot of them, uh, June and July, in social work, are using a lot of the material that we've put on the podcast to uh, inform their writing. I think that's great. And there's one that I, I just mentioned today, Greg Reardon. Now, Greg, final year student, qualifying in June and July this year, started listening and looking forward keeping the learning going through the podcast. You're not alone, Greg. I've had a few others in similar situations to you saying it, but thanks ever so much. And it's really encouraging to hear that you're getting a lot out of the podcast. But I'd also like to thank Alba Digital Media, albadigitalmedia.com, who are responsible for a lot of the engineering, if you like, behind this podcast. And Kevin at Alba, especially. Thank you very much indeed. Look up them if you want to actually get your website managed or even if you want to learn about podcasting, albadigitalmedia.com. Now today, I'm going to reiterate a bit that I talked about at the uh, England conference of the British Association of Social Workers a few weeks ago, just a little bit more about uh, safety of children online. And then I've got a good interview with uh, Faye Dicker. Now, Faye is a freelance broadcaster who's got her own podcast called FreelanceMum.com. And she uh, she used to be a, a broadcaster presenting The Breakfast Show on a regional BBC radio station, uh, as well as doing various other broadcasting duties for about 20 years. She's also a, a voiceover artist, and she juggles being a, a, a businesswoman and being a mother. And she decided that she would encapsulate that in this podcast, in this uh, the website that she actually has got, and talk to women who are in similar positions and just get to grips with all the, the problems and the joys and the pleasures of being a freelance mum. So I'm looking forward to that and letting you hear it. And that'll be a little bit later. We'll listen to Faye's podcast. And after that, I think I'd just like to say a little bit about another conference that's coming up, and this is the entire UK um, conference of the British Association of Social Workers annual general meeting. And I'll just read out to you some of the people that are going to be there. And I'm fortunate enough to have been asked to present a workshop there as well. So here we go, podcast 31. Hope you like it. Now, I talk a lot about the safety of children. It's just my thing. It's one of the passions, if you like, that's threaded its way through my work and also my, um, my private feelings for a long time now. And recently, in the last, say, 10 years, that with the upsurge of use of social media, the upsurge of, people, of children actually being stuck in front of computers all the time, I mean, the dangers are manifest. And so I think that's added a completely new dimension to the, uh, the need for us to introduce further protections. 
Now, Facebook, for example, currently requires users to be about 13 or over, but there's no real proof of identity required to set up an account. And so I really feel very strongly that when I um, co-put on a conference a year or so ago, we invited the head of Facebook in the UK to give a presentation about child safety in social media. And one of the statistics he came out with was this one I've repeated before, but 82 million false Facebook accounts in the world. And a significant amount of them were for child abuse. And that was encouraging people to quietly and secretly gather information. Now, at the same time, this man from Facebook said he knew thousands, if not more, parents in the United Kingdom who have falsified their child's age in order to get them a Facebook account. My own view of this, and I was quoted at the time and saying that I feel it's the equivalent of giving a 10-year-old a packet of cigarettes or getting them to play football in the middle of the motorway. I just think it's uh, child abuse. I think it's neglect by omission. It's not a deliberate act on most parents' part, but they think they're giving their children treat. They think they're giving them something special. They're totally ignoring the dangers of that child who probably will be isolated in their bedroom in front of a screen and open to all sorts of possible possible grooming activity from the thousands of people that we know are out there who are interested in abusing children. Now, an NSPCC study found that one in four 11 and 12-year-olds in the United Kingdom had at least had one upsetting experience online last year. At least one. More, many, many, many more had uh, dozens. And I really believe that Facebook and others should spend some of their money in insisting on foolproof ways to get proof of identity and proof of age made compulsory before a Facebook account is actually allowed. I mean, I had a plan, I've made a proposal. A lot of the money that's been spent on child protection and child safety that Facebook and others do could be spent in actually uh, funding a presence in every school over and above the current school uh, staffing uh, for maybe half a day a week and before to, to validate applications for uh, social media accounts from children because schools know and can testify to children's ages. So if John Smith or Betty Brown or whoever who's in year whatever at school uh, applies for a Facebook account, the school can say, yes, I agree that that is them and that they effectively that they are that particular age. I just think it's a step that we could take that would at least cut out some of the vulnerabilities and some of the dangers. Now, we, we do it for all sorts of other things, don't we? We do it for alcohol. We do it for cigarettes. We do it for age of driving. We do it for the age, where, uh, the age of consent for sexual activity. We do it for age for marriage. We do it for joining the army. And we do it for voting. Why not do it for something that's proven, proven to be so dangerous as an online account at too young an age in vulnerable circumstances by parents that don't realise the danger.
And part of our duty is also, to be fair, as social workers, is to make sure that on the agenda of home visits, when we are actually advising families, we are assessing risk within family homes, is that we talk about working with social media safety. We would come down hard on people if we saw physical abuse or neglect or any other issues that cause harm to children. And it's really just a matter of getting this safety online higher up the agenda of actually working and advising families. So there we are. I've had my shout out again, but it just can't be said often enough, to be honest with you. So many families still ignore basic safety and really need to be reminded constantly because the dangers are just manifest. Now I'd like to introduce Faye Dicker. I mentioned uh, her website, Freelance Mum. I mentioned a bit about Faye's background in broadcasting and how she's combining being a mother and uh, also being uh, running a business and how difficult that is to juggle, but also the pleasures of life too that can be, and talking to all sorts of other women in similar situations. It's a really good website. You should listen to it. Now she's um, effectively... Uh, been supporting talented mums in business for a long time now by showcasing them on her podcast and she's got interviews she's got inspiration she's got ideas everything from sort of feeding them through to actually the whole psychology of managing a home and it's fellow freelance mums sharing their stories about juggling their family life around around the same time as uh, running a business so let me introduce you, Faye Dicker. Okay, hi Faye. Welcome to the program. Welcome to my podcast, being an experienced podcaster yourself. It's nice to have colleagues along. Freelancemum.co.uk launched today a brand new squeaky clean site. Congratulations. Thank you. It's really nice to be sharing it with you actually, David. And uh, been a long time in the making. In fact, I think I've been building a website at the same time as building a baby, and they've both been launched within weeks of each other. So yeah, it's a really good time for me. Now you've been doing this for a long time, apart from having a previous broadcasting career with the BBC, um, and you specialise in actually talking to, with, and about all sorts of issues to do with mums that juggle work and bringing up children. Yeah, that is exactly right. So basically, the idea was born um, at the same time as Jemima was born. So um, I have always been a freelancer, I freelance for most of my life, and but I've been a mum for much less. And I was freelancing, presenting the early breakfast show at BBC Radio Bristol. And I was also um, working from home in my home studio, which is where I'm sitting chatting to you now. And, uh, and that's as a voiceover artist. And it was a really interesting place that I found that I was in when I had Jemima because I realised that although I was, you know, meeting lots of new mummies on the mummy circuit and lots of them were professional women who were, you know, having a year's maternity leave, I was the only one who was still trying to juggle work around doing all the childcare. Um, and that was already interesting. But what became more interesting was when they all then returned to work and their maternity leave was all wrapped up 
suddenly I was without my mummy friends, my newfound mummy friends. And I was still freelancing and I was still juggling childcare around this bonkers world that I lived in. And I didn't have those water cooler moments anymore. I wasn't meeting up with mums in the same way. And I just felt that I lacked this community. And so I thought, well, what if I can't find it? I'm going to have to create it. Mm. So I created, as it was then, Freelance Bristol Mum um, and sort of started it on a local level. And it just took off so well that I thought, there's mileage in this and I'm sure this has got a wider appeal. So as I speak and as the second baby has now been born, so the second website has now been launched. So freelancemum.co.uk went live today. So what's going to happen when you've had your 10th child? <laughs> no, that's it. The baby shop is shut. No <laughs> more babies as far as I'm concerned. Well, a lot of professional women, actually, a lot of social workers who are working uh, as well, her parents as well, but not just women, but men as well. But, but basically, you're, you're uh, talking about the, the, the mother's experience, are listening to this podcast and trying to juggle all the same things that you experience. I mean, what sort of what sort of advice have you been giving out or who's, who have you been talking to? How did you start it out? Do you want to, let's, start, let's start with some of these questions. You know, some of the people that you went to to have guests, to be guests on your program that you thought this woman would be good to listen to. The first person or the first people that I came across were um, two mums who had a business called, how was it? The, it's called the Gift Card and the basic concept is that you go to independent gift shops and you can buy like a, a credit card you know, like you can do for the likes of Ikea or John Lewis or whatever but you can do it at independent gift shops a really lovely idea and um, Imogen and oh is it Anne-Marie isn't that dreadful I've spoken to so many women anyway in chatting to them I just realized that I was really onto something here and one of them had already had been a nurse in a previous life and the other had sort of dabbled in lots and lots of things. And they were really desperate to tap into something and work together as a, as a team. And I realized in talking to them that there was so much scope to be had. And they were saying so many things that were echoes of my own life. And the thing that I constantly, the question that I now, and I find this interesting that people now sort of come to me almost as if I'm, a, a, I suppose, a center of excellence when it comes to freelancing. And they say, so how do you cope? How do you manage? And I just wish there was one answer, a one-size-fits-all answer. Mm -hmm. And I think the answer is childcare is the number one. Um, and also the other point to remember is this is an ever-evolving thing. As your child evolves, you're at a different stage all the time. And so as your child's evolving and maybe they're a newborn in arms and you're getting longer naps and that's when if you want to work like I do, that's when you're going to try and squeeze all your work in. Or um, or as they're getting a bit older, you might think about childminders or you might think about um, something official that you might set up with grandparents or nursery and so on and so on. And at every different stage, you're just constantly, as you're changing your childcare arrangement, you're changing your business working arrangement. So for me at the moment, my gaps of working are becoming smaller because obviously there's, there's Suki. Mm -hmm. And so whereas... Typically, as you'll speak to a lot of freelancing mums, the hours of 7 till 10 once your baby's down, you'll motor away and you'll reply to your emails and, you know, you'll get loads done. That window has become even smaller. And it's not even like I could pull an all-nighter even if I particularly wanted to because the night feeds are there as well. So now it's for me, it's about, um, and without talking about me, 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 it's about um, 
trying to be clever, trying to be canny, enjoying my baby time as well, not feeling like I'm trying so desperately hard to work, that I'm missing out on the baby bonding, but actually on enjoying the the half hour, the hour that I can carve out for me. So I think the question that people keep asking me is, how do you manage? How do you do it? And the the answer is, it's ever evolving. Now, in your case, too, one thing is that your particular skills have led you to be able to work from home. Mm. Because, you know, you're a voiceover artist, you, you do a lot of that work as well. I mean, that is your primary work outside of, 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 of the home at the moment, isn't it? Outside it of is. And But a lot of people will uh, have to, who want to do the same as you, who have the same feelings as you, the same sort of drive, if you like, to try and balance both, have to travel to work and actually go and interact with lots of people and, you know, as you said, around that water cooler at work, for mm. example. So, I mean, have you come across particular situations where that's sometimes people find that's much more stressful? You, you've been fortunate in being able to be able to build a studio in your own home. So more stressful in going to a, a regular job? The, the traveling, the transport, the, the public transport, the juggling and the getting back on time, all that kind of thing. I don't think there's, I don't think there's any one working solution that's easy. Don't get me wrong. I could only identify with being in a freelancing world and because, of course, going into work, it does offer you that opportunity to, at least when you get to work, if you've had a really stressful journey, if you're... If your child, you know, cried when you dropped them off, that's always heartbreaking. But at least when you get to work, you're able to say, oh, you know, Jemima, it was mummy, mummy, you know, as I dropped her off. And someone can say, oh, they, they'll, they'll forget. I bet the minute they shut the door, they were skipping back down the path again. But as a freelancer, or certainly in my situation, often there wasn't someone to quickly bounce that idea off. Or if it was, I would be turning up to a, to a job with clients I hadn't really met before and that wasn't necessarily the opportunity for me to say oh I just dropped off my toddler and she was crying you know when you're in a familiar workplace you've got workmates um and I'm not saying it's a doddle believe you me I'm not saying it's a walk in the park um and I've got friends for example who have gone back to work when their child is still they're still needing breastfeeds. And so then they're, they're really struggling with expressing and, you know, trying to feed still and, and, and grandparents bringing the baby so they can be fed during the working day and going back again. So there's difficulties along the way. There are merits, most definitely, for freelancing. I can pick my hours to a certain extent, baby and toddler willing, but mm. I can only relate to my own experience. No, that's okay. I mean... A lot of people, too, I mean, the people you're talking to, the very the very people who are um, endeavoring to juggle as, as satisfactorily as possible being a mother and being a, a worker, um, a lot of people who just choose to be at home with children and not follow the job for that, these early years often find they get kind of lost in terms of the adult world. But you obviously don't because you've still got these connections, you're doing your work, but you've also got your memories, if you like, your work you did previously, the broadcasting and that, that mm. gave you some that was some fairly hard-hitting stuff as well as sort of contemporary sort of social issues as well. I mean, do you find that helped keep you grounded? Yeah, I think it does. Um, and I also think, I mean, it's funny, we live in a world now where there's so much social networking 
And obviously, we've just had the elections. And, you know, I'll look on Facebook, particularly while I'm doing the night feeds. And and I see all my BBC colleagues who are working around the clock with the elections. And a, a newsroom is buzzing at a time like that. And for me, I... I was only telling my other half about this. I sort of, I still feel a part of it, but I miss it as well. And you want to be in a newsroom on a day like that. Mm-hmm. You want to be in a newsroom when people are watching news break. You want to be a part of a buzz. And you miss those days, but I couldn't go back to that at this stage in my life. No, but I was going to ask you if you're going to go back at some point, if you'd be interested, if the, if the opportunity arose. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, because I, I, I kind of suspected that you missed it a bit. You know, you've compartmentalized it for the moment, but I suspected that you missed it a bit because it was it was really being where it was all happening at that time, wasn't it? Oh yeah, and you can't it's, you can't really switch that one off. You know, like I say, looking at Facebook and looking at all the election stuff, and you think, yeah, I miss that. I really miss that. I miss being a part of the bars. Um, but it was also time for progression. For me, and I would go back to it for the right thing, but I feel as though I needed personal and professional development, and by doing this, it gives it to me. I was I was starting to feel stifled, as a lot of people do, and I suppose maybe a lot of women do, and you start to, I say women, that's not to discount men, but I think women, when you start to come to an age where you think, well, I would like family as well, if I'm absolutely honest, and certainly speaking to my friends, you start to think, well... It'd be quite helpful. It'd be quite t- well timed right now if I was to have a baby, because you know there's nothing that I'm particularly striving towards. A baby right now, having a baby would be really good, and then let's get back into it. Mm. So that's that's where I was. Okay. I mean, there is of course the other side of it, which essentially is now you're a, a, a podcaster of a whole year standing, and, and and you've got an awful lot of that under your belt. And we all hope, as all podcasters do, that you develop into a huge program mm-hmm. and that you're listened to in all sorts of places, developed and supported and, 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 and people come in and say, oh, let me give you lots of money to kind of sponsor your program and goodness knows what else. I mean, I, I guess the BBC would go out the window then, would it? If that was to happen, it's funny, isn't it? You know, me and my other half, we have lots of, you know, what if daydreamy conversations like that? You know, what if someone was to buy your site for a million pounds? Would you take it? And I said, well, I'd have to consider it. And he's like, you'd have to, you'd consider it. You mean so you wouldn't buy their arm off? Well, I'd have to consider it because you have to check what you're selling yourself out for for a million pounds. So if if this was to suddenly someone was to come along, and the dream is, David, that I would like Freelance Mum to become the the equivalent of of um, Net Mums, mm-hmm. you know, for Freelance Mums. For a community that mums can go to, something that they can identify with, have a water cooler moment, whether it's how to, whether it's a mummy question or a business question or whether it's just a hi, is anyone else struggling with this today moment or just going there. I would love it to be be as big as mum's net, but for the freelancing mum. Now, what are the chances of that? I don't know, but I've got to make it go. I've got to make it go of it, haven't I? And if in a year's time, this is just a hobby, then it shall be treated accordingly, you know, and maybe I'll take my foot off the gas. But at the moment, I'm enjoying it, so let's see what happens. I just wonder if you if you felt the same as several other podcasters that I've talked to, in that it started as a kind of, a, not a hobby, but I mean, a, a, as something 
a bit kind of lighter, you know, as a kind of something you wanted just to see how it felt and just to develop your skills because you were a broadcaster and so you had these skills anyway and you set up a nice studio and so on. But then it, the idea of it becoming a bit of a business kind of trickled in a bit and it's still trickling in and the more successful you become and the wider your audience becomes, the more idea of it becoming a business turns around. I mean, is that fair? Yeah, I think that is fair because you you try something out and then you realise that actually there's... um. There's interest in it, you know. Mm. And you think, actually, I wonder if there is managing this becoming um, a business. So, yeah, it's, it grows organically, doesn't it? That's the point for, for me anyway. Mm. Okay, so have you got some uh, particular um, guests coming up that you want to mention? Because we'll, we'll make sure people realise what your, what your podcast is with well, the end of this program. I'll tell you what is going on, first of all, and this is quite an interesting one, and I appreciate that I'm talking about freelance mum, but um, this is an offline experience, um, and I'm starting um, some networking, um, which is networking and walking, um, and it's with someone who is a networker, and so that's her side of the business. But one of the things I also realised as a freelancing mum, so I'm not really answering your question here, um, is that you don't get to go net working very often um because again the whole childcare thing so i'm creating um uh, a net walk where mums it's a facilitated walk uh where mums can go along bring their little ones in the push chair or strap them to them whatever age it is or they can toddle um and it, they can do some net walking and networking so i've got that coming up and there'll be details of that coming up on the website so do check that out that's a that going to be in bristol that's a Bristol event. With, yeah. It's Ashton Court, which I know is a venue that's familiar with you and some of your listeners as well. So, um, and then coming up, we've also um, got an interesting interview with Jane Woods, um, who you may know yourself, um, a good contact herself, pretty inspirational woman and fellow broadcaster. And um, that was, funny enough, by a, a guest reporter a good friend of mine who is also a broadcaster. So that's going to be out next week. Um, and we're also going to be speaking to someone called from Bristol Woman who set up an online and an actual magazine. So we've got loads coming up. Actually. No, 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 that's great. The reason I ask you is that obviously it's just to identify that for anybody in this area who wants to get in touch with you. We'll give them all the details at the end of this interview. But remember, too, that, that this podcast now gets downloaded in over 50 countries. And so I, I've also got a question for you to do with the international side of uh, of, of mums, if you like, if you want to put it that way. And, and either have you or have you any ideas for kind of speaking to or with um, parents in, in situations in other different in other countries as well? Because th there's a, such a sort of a rich vein of experience out there that you could tap. I mean, it just sounds a a perfect opportunity. I'd love to. I would absolutely love to tap into, you know, other other freelancing mums because these experiences and these feelings, while they're not unique, are they? While it can feel like a unique experience at that moment in time, it is it's motherhood. It's it's the evolution of life, isn't it? You know, there's lots of women who are feeling the same as me. And yeah, I'd love to hear how we deal with it in different countries. Where is it more acceptable? Isn't it acceptable? You know, yeah, I'd love to hear from other mums. Okay, well, I mean, let, let's just be clear about that. Now, any continent that anybody is listening in right now, 
right, wherever it is, and the experiences will be hugely different from, say, South America to Africa to North America to Australasia, wherever, Asia, whatever. If you're a mum and if you're working and trying to balance childcare as well, you make sure you get in touch with Faye's podcast, all right? And we'll, we'll give you the, the, the details at the end of this at the end of this one. Faye, other things. Um, I, I run a, we run a lot, an awful lot, much more serious things, as you're well aware, because we talked about that when I met you, you know, before. And you were kind enough to have me as a guest on your program. Yes. Um, but we, we struggle, if you like, sometimes with some of the more vulnerable people in, in society. And an awful lot of these are young women. And young women who've had children very early in life and who are struggling there. Now, I mean, I know that you're especially focusing on the business and juggling work and juggling parenting. But if there are younger women or people that working with vulnerable younger women listening, I mean, I know you mentioned Jane Woods there. I know that she has a particular interest, too, in the helping side and in the actual kind of advice side as well. Would that be something that you ever, you, you think maybe one day you might want to um, develop a little as well within the program? Definitely. I mean, I've now realized that the way my podcast fall is they fall into showcase and um, melting pot. Showcase is typically showcasing a mum in business. And melting pot is something that's of wider interest, typically female biased or family biased um, stories. So that is what would fall into the melting pot. Um, and yeah, it is of interest and you can see lots of a lost generation really. Um, and although I've not experienced it myself firsthand, I've got friends who are teachers and I, I've gone in and um, it might be a slightly, slight tangent here, but I've gone in on work experience days to, to talk about what I've done, what I do for a living because there are so many children now who not only do their parents not work, but their grandparents have never worked either. And so the idea of working and getting a job is just completely alien to them. So it's just about going in. And so there's some really interesting jobs out there. Actually, you know, school is worth going to, and there's some great stuff at the end of it if you buckle down. But you realise that there is a generation. Actually, it's going to be really difficult. Mm, I know, I know. It's uh, unfortunate there's quite a legacy that's been laid for this particular generation um, with all the austerity cuts and everything going on at the moment, the, the casualties, unfortunately, are piling up. But listen, we're, we're coming sh shortly to the end of the chat, if you like. Um, and and uh, just before we do, I just want to make sure that people realize how they can get in touch with you, what's coming up, a bit like the networking, yes. the ideas you've got. Um, the website is freelancemum.co.uk. That's the one, yep. And that's launched today? It is launched today as we speak. Okay, which won't be the day that this podcast goes out because this is, we're talking on the Tuesday and the podcast will go out on the Thursday. So two days ago, <laughs> this was launched, all right? And Faye Dicker, all I want to say is I do wish you very well with the new site, with the developing podcast, and it's been lovely having you a guest, as a guest. Thank you, David. I'm really, you know, it's great meeting up with another podcaster. And yeah, let's keep doing it. Let's keep chatting. Well, there we are. It was Faye Dicker, and uh, I really encourage you to have a look and a listen at her website and listen to her podcast. Now, on the 10th of June, uh, in London, at the home of the London Symphony Orchestra, 
there's going to be the annual British Association of Social Workers conference on uh, AGM. And what a lineup they've got. They are talking with social workers, political leaders, media commentators are all going to feature in a day of very high profile speakers, um, learning focused workshops, um, and the Professional Association for Social Workers across the United Kingdom, British Association of Social Workers, is really doing itself proud here and actually showcasing, showcasing what can be and the world of social work. Now, the speakers already who have been confirmed include Edward Timpson, the Under-Secretary of State for Children and Families, the Right Honourable Sir James Munby, who's the President of the Family Division in the Courts and centre stage at the moment for massive changes within the court structure and the way that actually children are treated, the way that adoptions go through, the whole issue of um, the speed of cases in court, all of that is uh, under an umbrella of change at the moment. Owen Jones, who's a columnist for the Guardian newspaper and campaigns on issues concerning poverty. Alan Baird, who's the Chief Social Work Advisor to the Scottish Government. Professor Ray Jones, who's the author of a new book, The Story of Baby P, Setting the Record Straight. Baby Peter Connolly, this was. and He's... Uh, bringing a guest, Sharon Shoesmith, who was the former director of Haringey Children's Services and uh, the subject of much controversy at the time um, of the um, tragedy when Peter Connolly died at the hands of his mother. But we're also doing some workshops there as well. And uh, we're talking about making independent practice work for you, that's one. Starting out in social work, very good workshop idea. Frontline, the new fast-track way to encourage uh, graduates from other professions to uh, come into social work and be retrained. The future direction of the British Association of Social Workers and the Social Workers Union. And the one that I shall be involved with, which is embracing the media we love to hate, as I've been billed. And I'm not sure if I had any part in that title, but I'm sure it's provocative enough to hope that many of you and it's sold out now. Uh, many of you at that event will come along. So, a lot to look forward to. A lot of good interviews coming up in the, in the future months to look forward to. We have uh, interviews with Isabel Trowler, who's the Chief Social Worker for Children and Families. We've got uh, an interview with um, John Brown, senior figure in the National Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Children. We've got an interview coming up with uh, Tessa Jowell, who's been at the centre of politics and has uh, uh, always been a great friend to social work over the last 20, 30 years, and so much more. So keep listening. Many, many thanks for your help. Please keep these reviews coming. Really need your feedback. and look forward to seeing you next time.